1: All right, welcome in. This is the Sunday Deep Dive episode. We have Brad Freeman on the show, and you chose PayPal for this episode, yeah, like sure. you said before, a well or a little followed company. Uh, <laughs> in reality, it's one of the largest companies in the world. So, have you? Do you own PayPal? Do you know any? Have you been researching this before? or Is this kind of a new company to your radar?
0: So, PayPal is uh, quite honestly one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made. I sold it several years ago um, while well, I was still figuring out what I'm doing and today I'm still definitely figuring out what I'm doing. Uh, and it was solely on valuation concerns. It wasn't on anything else. So uh, did not handle PayPal probably as, as well as I should have, as, as we watched it just go parabolic over the last several years. But I'm um, a big fan of Venmo. I use Venmo a lot. So that was, um, I guess, the inspiration or motivation to check it back out.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, back in 2017, 2018, you could have been our age and been like, hey, you know, Venmo, everyone uses it. Let's buy PayPal. And it you would have worked out beautifully.
2: Yeah. If you were in college uh, around that time, this appeared to be a very fat pitch.
1: Yes. And we'll get into, yeah. I mean, I don't know what the stock's up four or 500% since then. It's, what, $300 billion market cap right now, but we'll get into all that. Um, I'll let Ryan introduce the company, a little bit of the history, but first, do you want to talk about potential multi-baggers, our flagship sponsor?
2: Sure. I, I, you've got all the bullet points there in front of you for talking points, but it's our friend, Chris. Uh, he's been on the show multiple times. It's a Seeking Alpha. I, I call it a community, uh, but he offers his recommendations, stocks that he likes, uh, and then he gives a lot of feedback, sort of commentary on it, that buy and verify approach. Uh, if you're not familiar with Chris, I really at least recommend at the bare minimum, following him on Twitter because you'll kind of get a sense of, uh the way he invests and it's definitely worth it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's, you know, like you said, there's a chat community where everyone can ask Chris questions directly or all the other multis as they call themselves can communicate with each other. So you can kind of share your doubts if you see any news on a company, stuff like that. And then each week there's an overview of the week every Sunday with updates on, you know, the markets in general, things have been happening, and then the stocks within the potential multi-baggers service. And there's plenty of other stuff to go along with it. So if you want to become a multi, you can go on to Seeking Alpha and look for From Growth to Value, Google it, or go to at From Value on Twitter. All right, Ryan, do you want to introduce PayPal?
2: Yeah, so they, this will be, it's a huge company with a lot of different services. So it's a little hard to hit on everything, but I'll try to get to the core business. So. They really just help customers and merchants transfer money. And they do that through a range of different uh, apps, websites, stuff like that. And so the goal, their stated goal in the 10K is to enable merchants and consumers to manage and move their money anywhere in the world, anytime on any platform and using any device. And they do this through their core PayPal site, uh, Venmo, which we've talked about, Zoom with an X. Am I saying that right? Is it just Zoom? Zoom? Yeah,
1: just X. Yeah.
2: Uh, But they also bought Honey, which uh, Brett will talk about, kind of an interesting acquisition. I think it was $4 billion this last year. Uh, And they own some financial services providers. So there's like PayPal Credit, Braintree, iZettle, HyperWallet. And most of their revenue comes from transfer fees. Um, So when you're moving money, they'll basically ding you like 1%. Some of it's free, like Venmo, you can choose to do free stuff, uh, but if you want it quicker, you can take like a 1% charge, something like that. Um, And so that's where most of the revenue comes from, but then they also have those services revenue, uh, but it's a really small part. And PayPal now has 392 million active accounts, roughly 90% of those are consumers, the other 10% are merchants. So uh, it's a huge financial services business. uh, And we'll talk about some of the segments of it, but I'll get into the history first. The company was originally known as Confinity, kind of a fan of the last name. I don't know. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, it's all right. <laughs> uh, but it was founded in 1998 by Peter Thiel and Max Levchin. Uh, this was at a time when e-commerce was really burgeoning. Uh, if I mean, it's the dot-com bubble, everything. It seemed like anything manual or any physical business was going to be taken over to the internet. Uh, but at the time, there really wasn't any way. The only way that you could pay for e-commerce payments or e-commerce orders was by mailing checks or money orders via the US Postal Service. So, I'm not surprised that this ended up being a success. And the idea uh, at its founding was pretty simple. Show your email, your banking, uh, and credit card info, and in exchange, you get a quick and easy payments platform. It was really a first of its kind from what I'm understanding, which, um, no surprise, I guess, that, that took off. And they had a million customers by 2000. So within two years. Uh, and thanks, part of that was in large part due to them becoming the mainstream form of payments on eBay, which was huge at the time. Uh, and then the company went public in 2002, only to be acquired by eBay shortly after for $1.5 billion. Uh, if you know the story of Elon, that's where he sort of made his uh, initial money because there was a merger. I think prior to that, between PayPal uh, and Elon's yeah. f- fintech company.
1: history of this company is very, very interesting. Tons of people that ended up having a big impact on the Silicon Valley the financial world, stuff like that.
2: It's also a story that's told differently by different people is yeah. what I'm understanding. Everyone's online. a founder. <laughs> yeah, and in 2013, PayPal acquired Braintree for $800 million, which was also the owner of Venmo. It was also a competitor to PayPal. But shortly after that, Carl Icahn started pushing the company to part ways with eBay and they did eventually split and PayPal amassed a $49 billion market cap on its first trading day.
1: Gosh, dude.
2: I. Icahn, I- He's a legend, man.
1: He's that one worked out really well for him, and I'll. I wish I knew what I was doing in like 2013, 2015, because man, hindsight's 2020. But if you just knew what PayPal was and you saw it inside eBay, I mean, that seemed like a fat pitch. I don't know. Everything looks like a fat pitch in hindsight. But all, uh, Brad, do you have something?
0: Yeah, it just companies like this, and then Salesforce, and then kind, of, kind of the more mature companies that have succeeded in disrupting Mm -hmm. industries and turning very profitable i mean i I feel the same way i mean i'm 24 so i feel like at at 14 or 15 i I really wish i knew what the hell i was doing so hopefully when we're 34 (laughs) we look back 10 10 years ago and say wow i'm really glad i knew what i was doing but we'll we'll see if we do know or if i know what i'm doing but uh but yeah um paypal salesforce uh even match um, which is a little newer but yeah companies like that Adobe
2: yeah, Adobe and stuff like that. I want to be so quick to talk about this retrospectively. There could still be upside. There's
1: still yeah, there could right. be there could be yeah. We'll have to go through kind of what we think in the end here, but I'll reference I think I looked up what their EV to sales was and around right after the spin for PayPal. So even after that $49 billion market cap, I believe it was four. And if you look at their margin structure that seems and their growth trajectory I mean, it's a lot more attractive than it is today, but I don't know. We have plenty of time to invest, so it's okay. I'll I'll hit industry, landscape, and competition. I'll keep this one simple. The fintech market is around $5.5 trillion globally, and it's expected to grow at a 20% compound annual growth rate over the next, uh, I, I didn't get the, I forgot to put down the exact number. I assume it means five to seven years. That's usually what they do. So, It's a gigantic market and it is growing really, really quickly. So you can see why so many investors are excited about fintech, but the competitors, since it is such a large market, is large. So there's banks, Square. I put Apple, Google, and Samsung kind of in one bucket because they all run the Apple Pay, Google Pay, and Samsung Pay, which are just kind of things that attach to uh, people's smartphones. There's also Afterpay and all those companies that do buy now, pay later. There's SoFi. There's Visa, MasterCard and Amex. Yeah, there's SoFi. Brad knows a lot about that one. And then there's, you know, there's tons of competitors and it depends on what segment you're really really looking at. But PayPal operates in a ton of them.
2: So I mean, it's kind of hard, yeah, they
1: operate in almost everything.
2: There's gonna be some overlap from a fintech company in just about any part of PayPal's business.
1: Yep. All right. Uh, do we want to talk more about management and ownership? Brad, you want to take away there?
0: Yeah. And unsurprisingly, considering their founders are, are running companies like Palantir in and a firm and, and and Tesla, I guess, not a founder, but uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so the management team is just, it's full of superstars. So the president and CEO is Dan Schulman. He's a Verizon board of directors. He, or he was, He's on the Verizon board of directors. He was a former chairman of the board at Symantec, former president of enterprise growth at Amex, former CEO of Virgin Mobile. I mean, Incredible resume. Um, I I usually like to go for management highlights and the entire management team is full of highlights. Um, So just know that, yeah, I mean, another example, the CFO is on the board of directors of NASDAQ and was the CFO of United Airlines. So everyone just has really impressive experience, um, as as you would have expected, I guess, from from a company with this pedigree. But ownership, uh, 82% of the float is owned by institutions slash insiders. That's almost all institutional ownership. So Vanguard and BlackRock are your two biggest holders unsurprisingly with about 12% of the float together. There's been a general pattern of accumulation over the last several months, over the last several years really. Um, There's some pretty hefty options packages and stock um, packages uh, to incentivize Schulman to continue performing. Um, but he, he owns outright about 250, 000, or, yeah, 250,000 shares. And just for reference, Vanguard owns 87 million shares. So um so this is very much so dominated by institutional ownership.
1: Right. And that's the thing with all the founders leaving and stuff like that and then getting acquired by eBay. When you spin it out, it's kind of tough to give that existing management um, that you have in place, the ownership without giving them the stock option. So that might be a headwind uh just for share count. But they were buying back some stock. I don't know. It, I guess we'll get into that, whether that's a smart move or not, but I'll I'll hit valuation. Market cap right now is about $309 billion, ticker is PYPL. So again, it's one of the largest companies in the world now. Um, Enterprise value is slightly lower, but that doesn't really change much. If we look at price to sales, it is about 13.5. Price to gross profit is 27.9, and these are on a trailing basis. And then price to free cash flow is 58 uh, share count has been fairly steady and actually dropped a bit, although that's stagnated. I think they must have reduced share count just slightly in like the 2018, 2019 period. And then they have about $6 billion in long-term investments on the books. So they run a FinTech venture fund, which could be factored in if you want to do more detailed analysis for some valuation work, but it's not super meaningful. It's not like they run a $50 billion fund or anything like that. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Seems smart. What do you guys think about a company like this running a venture fund? It's usually a bit of a red flag, but since it's, a, it's so relatable to what they do and they might be able to acquire them, I think it's fine, right?
2: Yeah, that's pretty unsurprising. I get hesitant when really young companies have built out some investment arm, but with PayPal, uh, this allows them to kind of kill the baby in the crib with uh some of their would-be competitors and they
1: have the data already to kind of see yeah you know what's going on brad what are your thoughts you on that, Is that yeah like- I, just, I
0: i i'm gonna just echo that opinion when when i so a position of mine like boeing when they have a venture capital arm and are investing in companies like uh virgin galactic i'm i'm more okay with that and more excited about that than maybe some somebody else uh trying to do it very early on. I mean, focus is extremely important for young companies, but once you have a company like PayPal or a company like Boeing with with just billions on the balance sheet and and, and tons of, of successful um, businesses and years of execution, it doesn't bother me nearly as much.
2: Yeah, I'd also say it's almost like the match group approach where you can kind of potentially incubate these companies and sort of leverage your expertise across fintech uh, potentially, to help yeah. them out. Yep. yeah. Brad, yeah, you got one more.
0: Yeah, Goldman Sachs really did does something sort of similar. They have, I mean, when when there are brilliant people and there are a lot of brilliant people at Goldman Sachs who are ready to kind of go off and do their own startup or, or fintech startup, Goldman Sachs does a lot of funding of those to keep them internal. I believe that's how Marcus, um, how, how Marcus became a thing, j- just from keeping uh, talent working in Goldman Sachs, working in the ecosystem. So for companies like that, I think it does make a lot of sense.
2: Right,
1: right, that
2: does make sense, yeah. All right, I'll hit earnings. Uh, First quarter total payment volume was $285 billion, up 50% year over year. I think it was 46% in constant currency. Uh, Remember, kind of check that last, we're getting to the comps numbers where, and I think Q1 was hit. Remember, everyone stopped buying everything for like-
1: Month and a half or so.
2: Two weeks last year, uh, around this time. So some of the comps might look a little- better than they really are, but still solid quarter overall revenue was 6.03 billion uh, for the quarter up 29% year over year. They've grown basically between, uh, sorry if I'm not giving the trailing 12 month numbers, but they've grown essentially between 20 and 30% for probably the last three years, right?
1: Yeah, I can, if you keep going, I can get the numbers up. Uh, And then
2: earnings per share nearly doubled. Uh, Net new active accounts grew 4% quarter over quarter to that 390 uh, it was a 392 million uh, number, yes. And then free cash flow was roughly a billion and a half for the quarter. And that's a free cash flow margin of 25%. Uh, payment transactions per active account grew 7% year over year as well. That's an important uh, number to follow. It's 42.2 payments over a trailing 12 month basis. Uh, is, that su- is that number surprising to you? Do, you? do you think you're above that if you're a recurring Venmo user? What do you mean? 42 transactions a year. I
1: I think in college
0: I was at least double that, more than double that. And I think now I'm a lot way under it. Um, So, yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I was probably at 100 in college and then a lot less now. And then I have the trailing 12-month revenue numbers. If you look over the last three years, each quarter, lowest was 12.5% actually in 2019, which is a bit surprising and then the highest around 25%. But it's been within that tight range, pretty consistent double-digit growth.
2: All right, balance sheet, liquidity, Brad.
0: So PayPal has about $5.7 billion in liquid cash on hand. They have another $7.3 billion in what they term short-term investments or what they call short-term investments. So about $13 billion in what I what I would refer to as highly liquid assets. They have another $2.7 billion in loans and interest receivable. But uh, I, I don't want to probably best not to include that in a $13 billion um, metric. They have $8.9 billion in long-term debt with about a billion of that due in the next few years. And they're paying a maximum of 3.3% interest on that debt with most of it in the 1% to 2% range. So the long-term debt is, is clearly by choice. Um, they don't have to have it, but but from a capital structure funding structure, it, it, it makes sense for them.
1: Yeah, and honestly, with one of these businesses, it reminds me of taking the Apple route where you could see them over the next five years if interest rates stay low and they can get long-term debt at about a 2 to 3% interest rate, you could see them 4 or 5 xing their debt load. And honestly, that could be a good thing for long-term shareholders, but we'll see what they decide to do. Um, all right, that's going to do it for the first half. Let's take an ad break. We'll get to the second half of the show.
0: This episode is brought to you by KPMG. As a business leader, how can you innovate, build trust, and move forward in a digital era? KPMG can help by bringing together the right talent and technologies, generating insights that spark opportunities. To explore their thinking, visit readkpmgus opportunities.
2: This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Here you are miles from home and ready to start your vacation. Good thing you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. They have free high-speed Wi-Fi to stream all your favorite movies. And in the morning, get fresh waffles with their free bright side breakfast. Or squeeze in a workout at their fitness center. Either way, you're ready to conquer the day. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you triumph. Book your stay at LQ.com.
1: All right, welcome back in. Next up, we're going to have anecdotal evidence, customer stories. This one, I guess, should be a fun one. Consumer-facing business. I'm interested to see what you guys think. So, Brad, you want to kick things off here.
0: Yeah, we've kind of hinted at it a little bit, but I, I essentially lived on Venmo in, in college at the University of Michigan. It seemed like they had a monopoly on, on the digital payment space. I didn't even hear about Cash App until um, I, I joined Twitter and, and started learning more about Square. Uh, I, I loved Venmo. I used it way more than cash. I used it way more than credit cards. Um, it just made everything super simple. And I, I was a very big fan. So two thumbs up there.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, I, mean, I mean, I'm the same as you. I was sort of a chronic Venmo user. I think I still am. Um, it might be one of the best network effect businesses of all time.
1: Yeah, because Cash App's really been doing well marketing-wise. They have really good products, but that lock-in with Venmo, I mean, I've been like, I like Cash App better just from a product standpoint. And I really only realized that because I'm a shareholder, but Venmo, everyone's still using it. I'm, I'm going to pay them with that.
2: Yeah, it's, it's weird because you've you always see numbers um on like the rise of the cash app and how prominent it is but in my day-to-day life it's still always venmo mm-hmm. maybe it's just the area that i am in and uh, they're under mon- they're under monetizing it a lot venmo or cash app? venmo yeah well i mean the the risk here is that they're kind of hamstringed because and so they have less it's a lower take rate on venmo than their core business paypal but if they raise that rate or they did like a mandatory take rate, then people would start to switch to the Cash App.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because Cash App monetizes in a different way. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. But I mean, the growth with Venmo, they kind of described it at a a recent industry conference. We have basically a PayPal in 2015 inside of PayPal now. And we think it can be as big as PayPal (laughs) as a whole is right now. They're kind of trying to hype themselves up, but I thought that was an interesting analogy there. Uh, What about
2: the core website?
1: I mean, I think it's a bit clunky. I don't know, Brad. Do you think that as well?
0: I, I yeah. It, as much as I loved Venmo, I remember I had like one or two experiences trying to like buy football tickets from people uh, um, through through PayPal, and it was it was not an easy process at all, um, as yeah. easy as Venmo is.
1: I will say though that they're trying. From what management is saying, it seems like they're basically trying to retire this legacy PayPal function from like not whatever that was super popular from like 1997 to 2010. Um, They're trying to retire that over the next few years of these new initiatives with the super app and Venmo turning into like a uh, digital wallet more like. If that's successful, they'll hopefully retire that, but we'll see. I mean, that is kind of the big low light that I think we're all going to get to. But next up, we have future growth opportunities. Brad, what are your thoughts here?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm picking an easy one, so sorry about that in advance. But I, I really think that Venmo is still in its infancy. And Brett talked about, or maybe Ryan um, talked about earlier, how under monetized Venmo feels. And and Cash App does not feel <laughs> that, that under monetized or, or to the same extent. So they have this massive install base, this massive user base, and they've been quite honestly pretty slow with product inter- innovation and, and rolling things out. And I think that just creates um, an opportunity for, for a lot of upside when they finally do speed up this product innovation, kind of like similarly to what we are seeing in Twitter and, and how they're starting to, to really pick up the pace of product rollouts. And that's getting people excited. Um, PayPal is a kind of a higher quality business, in my opinion. But I, I think that they could have that, same, um, that that same positive impact if they just pick up the pace a little bit on rolling out new products.
1: And one thing they mentioned at this conference, I think it was one of the recent investment conferences is that COVID when they got hit and they had to do distributed work and things had to uh, happen really quickly, they realized that they can, and I think it was management saying this, that they can have an acceleration of product launches. So hopefully that continues
2: over the next few years. It is. I mean, Venmo is such an exceptional business when you think about it. Like it at has least from a, a TPV,
1: huge, at least from a gross payment volume standpoint.
2: Yeah, it, it just has a huge lock-in effect too, because you've got like if you're going into college, you're going to use or whatever it is, you're going to pay somebody with whatever they accept. Um, and in that case, it's Venmo. I don't think any of my friends didn't have Venmo.
1: Yeah, college really introduces you to Venmo, and then from there it can spread out to everyone else. And that's kind of like the incubation. Like if the people that
2: and just meet keeps rolling, it keeps it. transcending the yep. generations. Yes, um, but I guess my future growth opportunity—it's a super app. And so I guess Brett can touch on this, but they're kind of trying to do two. They're kind of trying to build Venmo into one. They've got a whole bunch of useful features and functions between their businesses. I think rolling that into one would be great. Uh, Dan Schulman, the CEO has talked about this before. He said, allowing customers to shop, pay, save, invest, budget all from a single spot makes sense. Um, Apparently this is kind of what Alipay is doing. It's what the Cash App's trying to do. Um, The only, Risk, I guess, would be mortgaging that installed base by trying to flip what that app does all at once. I think you have to build out these functions uh, slowly. Yeah. If, you, if it makes too much too much of a switch, though, people could churn.
1: Well, making the yeah, when someone makes a change like this, convincing the customers to switch, you got to get it right. So there is that that execution risk with this. It's almost sure. like
2: that. I mean. There was that Snapchat risk in like whatever it was, 2016, 2017, where they completely changed the UI. Right. Uh, That turned out great for them, but there was a huge risk and a lot of people were upset by it. Yep, for sure. For
1: sure. I'll I'll hit mine. It's a smaller one, but it's the Honey acquisition. It brought in over about 10 million active accounts and it seems to fit in perfectly with what PayPal is doing. So, if you don't know what Honey is, you've probably seen it advertised a few times, but it helps you basically. It's like a little cookie in your browser, right? And then it tells you where you're shopping if that item can be
2: found cheaper somewhere else. And there's and if you have discounts, you can use So if you're like a premium user, I think it oh, it's almost like a basically scours the internet for discounts.
1: Okay. So it's almost like a top level rewards program that goes across all different websites. I mean, yeah, that makes sense really. And it should fit, it should fit nicely into PayPal, hopefully into the super app if that works well. And then if they integrate it into Venmo, that seems like something where they could get on par with what Cash App is doing because that's where- The cash app discounts that they offer and stuff with their card fits in really well. And if Venmo can launch, you know, the debit card and then get QR codes going and then have Honey on top of that, that seems like a great value proposition. And it seems like a really strong area for growth that they they can have.
2: They launched a credit card this quarter, right?
1: Yes. Yes. They did that as well. So, I mean, Honey is not going to be a big product on its own, but adding it on top, I think could work well, Uh, but we'll see. Um, All right. Highlights and lowlights. Brad, what are your thoughts here?
0: For highlight, uh, this is about the most cash-rich fintech-native company in in the world. So, uh, we're I'm sure we're going to go into the competitive landscape a lot in the last couple uh, minutes of the show. But it has the funds to spend pretty much to outspend pretty much everyone. I'm not I'm not talking about um, J.P. Morgan or Goldman Sachs, but I'm talking about all these uh, technology-native f- finance companies that are popping up all over the place. Um, none of them can compete with PayPal in terms of balance sheet strength, access to capital, and ability to purchase their way into new markets or or just build their way into new markets. So I think um, that that is a very important edge um, in this in this field, and and that kind of leads me into my low light, where um, the competition it, it comes from a lot of places. It comes from legacy banks who have stronger balance sheets than PayPal, uh, like Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, and all of them, and and it comes from all, all of these these new uh, fintech startups entering right. the public market landscape. Yeah. Um, so, so, so I mean, yeah, it, it's just it, it's a tough field. They they have been slow in rolling out new products, um, so they could continue to get past uh, that. That's the low light. They they need to speed up, I think. And and it sounds like from that investor conference, they're going to.
1: Yeah, that that's the hope, and they do have people coming in at all sides and. I guess that technically is a good thing because it means that there is a giant opportunity for everything that PayPal is going after, but we'll see. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Highlights and lowlights?
2: Highlights, there's a massive installed base. uh, And then as far as B2B payments, um, they probably still have the most notoriety. So we're going through it right now by when we collect revenue with Chit Chat money or ad revenue from 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 sponsors or or stuff like that. that. And you're basically taking however they'll pay you. And if that's PayPal, if that's the ingrained system, you're just going to stick with it. So there's network effects in that. Um, I also like that. I think they have $8 billion remaining on their buyback program, and they've been thoughtful about utilizing it. They didn't. It doesn't look like they bought back any shares this most recent quarter. Oh,
1: uh, I think that might be incorrect,
2: okay. but I don't know. I don't know. Um, but they've sure. been slow to deploy it, especially recently. Um, so i guess share count came down so yeah yeah and uh low lights for me i guess there's a lack of clarity around the core business for young people um
1: that's true yeah and
2: there that is the higher take rate business so how well does that play out in the future it's kind of hard to tell and i guess venmo the lapse there is that it's not designed specifically for businesses and i guess you just kind of have to remarket yourself if you're going to move Venmo to be like a business to business payments processor too.
1: Yeah. You have to, which is tough. Yeah. like That, that doesn't always work. Mm-hmm, I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, I'll hit my highlights. I think they're in a very defensible position for whatever way, like the payment landscape falls. So you could argue, and there's a ton of arguments, you know, for like crypto uh, QR codes, if you're going to go more of the, Asian route and the Chinese routes. There could be the traditional stuff with you know the, the regular rails we're on right now. We could go really heavily into buy now, pay later as a replacement of credit, or if it's a little bit of both, they are going to be fine either way if the products are good and, the, and they have been good. Um, and then there's a strong tailwind and then the Venmo and super wallet ideas are, I don't know what they're calling it, a digital wallet or a super app wallet or whatever. I think that's a good idea. We'll see if they can execute. Venmo's already pretty established, but we'll see if they can, I don't know. The the take rate on that is just really, really low. Um, and then CEO seems solid, but I would want to do more digging into him if I was going to invest, uh, or think about investing. And then lowlights, I think the big one for me is that they, they let Square eat their lunch with the Cash App. Venmo was way more established and Cash App has come in and is doing a ton more in gross profit than Venmo. And it'll, it'll be tough for them to move into in-person transactions with either Venmo or PayPal in general. And that's a big market they're trying to go after is, you know, with the QR codes or getting even a, a credit card on Venmo. It's a little complicated, but I think moving into in-person
2: transactions,
1: uh, there's going to be a little bit of friction to getting that going, but there's, I'm not really sure they, they might be able to.
2: There's like a bit of a dilemma now that Cash App has kind of eaten their lunch is, with, I use the Cash App. I use Venmo. With Cash App, I think of it as kind of like this evolving thing. Like it's it's constantly built out different functions or different features. And so when you have a new update, you kind of expect that. Whereas I've grown so used to what Venmo does that like any switch would be kind of harder to digest as a consumer.
1: Be interesting. No, that's interesting, Brad. Any thoughts on that? You're you're a heavy user of Venmo too.
0: That that is an inter- interesting point. Didn't really cross my mind, but but yeah, it does it does um it does make sense.
1: Yeah. And what are you guys thoughts on the crypt, them, them adding crypto like recently? It seems like they should have been doing that three, four years ago, especially if it's they're not going to make money off of it. It's more of a customer acquisition tool.
2: Yeah. I, I don't mind it as a customer acquisition tool, but
1: if I was
2: sh- <laughs> I mean, if they're loading up the balance sheet, I'd be I, I think they concerned. aren't. I think they aren't. Um,
1: they're not.
0: If, it, no. if they were doing what MicroStrategy was doing, I'd be a little concerned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I I think it makes sense just to have it as a piece of their future payment network to just, but like you guys were saying to bring more people into the ecosystem and just create as much optionality and value as
1: possible. Just in case the dominoes fall that direction. Yeah. I mean, why not? Um, All right. bull case. So this is the new uh, segment. If you, uh, just cause not everyone listens to every show, I'll probably explain this a few more times. So we're doing a new segment instead of competitive advantages and it's going to be bull case and bear case and bull case is basically what we outline what would have to happen for the stock to be successful? And then bear case is we outline some things that could happen if the stock is going to be unsuccessful over the next five, 10 years. So we'll kick things off with Brad, what is your bull case for PayPal?
0: Yeah. So for me, I envision kind of going to a restaurant and instead of paying with a credit card and then afterwards settling up with your friends on Venmo, just doing it with Venmo. So I, so the bull case to me is Venmo replacing debit and replacing credit and replacing cash and in, in our day-to-day um, B two C transactions, so, and and I think, I, I don't think that's that far fetched uh, of a of an ambition for them. Just just based on what we've talked about with the massive install base and 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 how established they are. Um, but I really think that there's a lot of opportunity for them to to kind of take uh, take a large meaningful piece of, of what these credit card companies are doing, um, just by eliminating a step in in the settling up and payment process.
1: Yeah, that has got to be part of the bull case, especially at this valuation. Ryan, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, uh, my bull case is that the competitive advantages that they've benefited from so far are uh, sustain and that those early adopters of Venmo stick around and they're willing to adapt to whatever changes are made, like what Brad said. Um, It's not – this isn't like fifty-bagger potential. It, the past returns, I don't think you're going to see in the future. Seems very unlikely, uh, just due to the law of large numbers. Maybe I'm wrong, but I do think they can continue to trim the fat operationally. They just finished a round of layoffs. Free cash flow margins jumped. Um, I think that can keep going, and they can be a market-beating investment. Uh, that's probably the bull case.
1: Yeah, you're going to want free cash flow margins, and they're a little hampered because the gross margins aren't that t- aren't that high. To begin with, but you're going to want to see that sustained margin expansion, even if it's small, over the next few years.
2: Yeah. What? Uh, what about you? Uh,
1: I I think one thing, if you're an investor right now or would be thinking of investing right now, is you'd have some something to think about is can they get to like four to five trillion in annual uh, total payment volume? Right now they're at about a trillion, so that'd be some big growth, but at this valuation, that's something you have to expect. And the way they would do that is a successful super app uh, through Venmo and the other one they're going for non-Venmo users. And then all these additive solutions like buy now, pay later, which they said is already taking off pretty rapidly. I think it has over a billion already in annualized uh, TPV, QR codes take off, honey is a good add on. And then merchant solutions fit in on top of all these wallets. I think you got to think about that. And if they can do that, yeah, it'll be a successful um, investment, but there's gotta be a lot of growth. All right. Bear case, Brad, what what could go wrong here with PayPal? Yeah, I'm going back
0: to what you highlighted with, with cash app just really coming out of nowhere and, and, and passing this company in terms of product innovation, I think pretty objectively um, that's, that's pretty alarming to me. Um, quite honestly. And, and I think the bear case is that this slow pace of product innovation doesn't improve. And other companies like SoFi, which yes, I'm very biased in, in favor of them, um, Robinhood or, or Webull or, or any of these um, investing platforms or maybe an Acorns or something like that.
1: Afterpay, Affirm? Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and I mean, if Cash App if Cash App can pass them that seamlessly, why can't others as well? Um, and that's the bear case. There, there's a, there For a company this established and this big and this successful and this profitable, there's execution risk left in, in a lot of it, I think. So and, and it'll be
1: interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, execution risk is, risk is important, yeah. Yeah,
2: it's, the bear case is death by a thousand cuts and it's not, uh, there is definitely a floor because they're able to generate so much cash, um, but the bear case is that this entire business becomes known as Venmo from now on, uh, because frankly-
1: Well, that the, seems a bit- The core That seems business, a bit aggressive,
2: Ryan, I don't know. The core business, I don't know, isn't it? Don't you think it's dying with like the coming generation?
1: Maybe, I would have yeah. said that three years ago though and the numbers look good.
2: Well, they don't They don't break out the numbers in the core business though.
1: Well, they break out Venmo's mm-hmm. and you can, mm-hmm. you yeah. All
2: right, well. So you we can backtrack that. Yeah, I mean, it's limited downside, but I guess uh, the valuation is larger than it used to be. There's been multiple expansion. So I guess uh, multiple compression and maybe slowing growth because of that, because of all the competition.
1: Yeah, that's what I had too. Small attacks from all sides on the competition. I would say that would be what would lead to stagnating TPV growth. And then if that would occur, you would think that there would be heavy multiple compression. uh, Because remember, it's almost at 60 times free cash flow. Maybe they can compound free cash flow at 20% a year, but if they can't, that means the multiple is going to come down. And then I think at this valuation, you really have to be expecting, you know, high teens, free cash flow growth for the foreseeable future. And if that can't happen, we're probably not looking at a good investment. Brad, you have anything to add there?
0: Yeah, I think with, with this whole super app movement, we, we all assume that, okay, there's one good product, there's two good products. Now there can be 10 good products. And it doesn't always, I guess, work out that seamlessly. I'm thinking of companies like Jamaya in Africa that had to take off um, some some products um, for, from their service because they were so unprofitable. Grab has been struggling with adoption of a few of their products in, in Korea. So, I mean, it's not It's not just you have a massive install base, so just release new products and it'll all work out. And I think a lot of us, including me, sometimes assume that's more so the case than it is. Right, it's, yeah.
2: And super apps are also more popular over there. Is there a single big super app in America that's worked?
1: I mean, you could argue Amazon. Cash App could get there for in five years, but no, not
0: really. It's just yeah, And not even Amazon. I said Amazon, but I'm, I'm telling myself no after that. There, I, I, don't, I can't think of one.
1: And people made some arguments about afterpay kind of stealing some stuff and f- making some things, but there's no. It's very fragmented in the U.S., which so seems tough to do with the prevalence of cards. It kind of holds back everything. Yeah. All right.
2: right. Uh, more or less interested, Brad.
1: Uh, I this it, this is tough tough
0: for me. I I would say more interested. I'm not I'm not really ready to jump in on it right now and start position, but. I mean, it's it's undeniable how how impressive this company has been since they split up from, or, or or were spun off of of eBay. Um, I think if the product innovation does speed up, not 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 to sound redundant, I've said this a lot, but if that happens, and and Venmo does start to kind of kind of look more like a cash app with the larger install base, uh, that 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 would be something that get me really excited about the company, but as of right now, it just, it seems like they're, they're pretty slow. And, and that's concerning to me. So maybe yeah. less interested, I guess. I think less interested. What about,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, does it come down to valuation a bit too, or is it mainly on the product
0: concerns? No, because I mean, I think if if you told me to pick between square or PayPal right now, I would go with square, even though I think I don't have the valuations off the top of my head, but I would assume that it has a more premium valuation. Am, am I wrong there?
1: Uh, you're Probably like, correct, honestly. but I think it's pretty close, but that crypto stuff, you know, it, it oh, makes yeah, Squares it, look yeah. a lot. They're trading um, at like seven times sales, but I think if it's gross profit, it would probably be on a similar. Uh, yeah. And then also the thing with Square
0: is is you get the part-time CEO, which also bothers me a tiny bit. Um, He's part-time at Twitter, full-time at Square. So. Right, 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 right. Um, I, I, I don't know. There's a ton of really exciting companies in this space. I own a couple of them and they – excite me a little bit more than this one does. So less interested, but not that much less interested.
2: Yeah, Ryan? I'm totally on the fence. I have no idea. It's yeah. like not typically something I look at. I, I tend to shy away from just large companies in We general. try to go
1: below a hundred billion for at least starting positions.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, sometimes you can just simplify the thesis, like the world, like the war on cash, that, that worked out. And I wouldn't say that it's over yeah Um, so maybe there's still growth from there but yeah
1: and i'm looking at wait their revenue is way off on this table i think (laughs) i think the numbers i had earlier on revenue growth were correct but i'm seeing this it looks wrong sorry continue right yeah
2: if I mean, this could be a market-beating investment with a very simple thesis, which is just that war on cash that was kind of, I think that was coined by Jason Moser. He
1: had the easiest to, he was like, I think four or five years ago, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, Square, he just split it up evenly. Let's sit on this for a decade. It's going to crush the market. Like, yeah, that was totally correct.
2: Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm still kind of on the fence whether I'm interested or not. Yeah. i I'm more
1: interested, but valuation concerns just come into play here. I mean, I don't, I think they can get to three, four trillion in TPV. It makes sense that the winds are blowing in their direction and there's just a giant market opportunity to go after, but at 60 times free cash flow and with the worries of Venmo, there's a ton of execution risk on the super app. I mean, there's so much to like, and it seems like something that would just sit on the watch list forever and you'll watch it grow. But I don't know. There's just too many concerns. Uh, I don't know. Brad? And I
0: feel like if I didn't sell this and if I maybe if I knew what I knew 10 years ago, what I know now, I probably would still be holding it. And if I owned it and I, and I had that cost basis of like 30 or 40 bucks a share or something ridiculous like that, it would it would feel like a Facebook or a Microsoft in my portfolio right now. So, um, yeah, it's there's. I would lose absolutely zero sleep adding this into my portfolio and, and just kind of rolling with it. But it, I don't know. Yeah. I'm on the fence. I'm going with as well. I'm taking Ryan's answer.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, there's a-, a huge difference between not being interested in buying now. And if you have been holding this for five years, I mean, there's no reason to sell.
2: What's uh what's our stock for next week?
1: Next week is going to be my turn and we are picking Evoluce. I forget the name. It's Ev. O-L-U-S Incorporated, E-O-L-S is the ticker. Let me get a quick description for you. Uh, nope, Koifin just died. We'll see what it is. It is a th- Aesthetic Experts Breakthrough Injectable Treatment. So we're doing Botox.
2: All right.
1: That's Split. a bull market. If you guys have been on Instagram, that's a bull market, right? <laughs>
2: um, all right. There You're you not go. on Instagram. No, I mean, you
1: see, you know, you know
2: we all know. <laughs> all right.
1: Uh, That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Um, Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. Ryan and I are general partners on Arch Capital, or excuse me, at Arch Capital. Clients on Arch Capital may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Again, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week.